Welcome to the Authentic Wife Show. I'm Beth Rolls, a conscious marriage coach and author of The Authentic Wife, Uncaging Yourself Through Marriage. I help driven moms who love their kids more than they hate their marriage use the conflict in their relationship to become their most authentic selves so they can create a relationship and life they don't want to escape from. Stop waiting for your husband to evolve and start making every day feel like a vacation. You can find my book, tons of free resources, and Happily Ever After, the only marriage-saving coaching program on my website, theauthenticwifeandmom.com. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome back, beautiful soul. I am so happy that you were here. Today, we're going to talk about how ADHD makes marriage hard. And if you listen to me, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I talked about signs that somebody in your marriage might have ADHD, how you can kind of know, hey, this is what's at play. But let's talk about how ADHD makes marriage hard. And in listening to this, I think you might also recognize that perhaps one of you has ADHD. Now, I've always been pretty hesitant to share, you know, this level of detail. I want to protect, you know, my family. But as I have worked with more and more wives, and as I've read more and more books on ADHD, I realize how common these things are, how many people are out there experiencing them and feel lost and alone and like their marriage is the, the hardest and worst thing in the world and that nobody understands. And my intention is to help you know that you are not alone and that this is something that you can change and that only one of you has to do the work in order for it to change. That was my experience. And one of my lovely friends listened to that episode and suggested that I talk to my husband about it. <laughs> Her husband wanted to hear from my husband about what really happened, what went down and what has changed. And I wanted to bring him on today, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but I am going to get him on. And I don't even know, like if you asked him, he probably would deny that anything has changed or that if anything has changed, I had anything to do with it because it just happened. <laughs> it just, he didn't have to go to counseling. He didn't have to read a book. He didn't have to do the inner work that I did. It was me stepping out of the role I was playing in our dynamic, which you will see very clearly in a minute. It was me stepping out of that role that helped him to also do the inner work. He just didn't realize he was doing it. So here we are. Things are completely different now. And he has no idea why. <laughs> He knows I do something with marriage and he supports me and he hasn't read my books. He, he just kind of is dad and lives his beautiful life. And is probably very grateful for how much I have changed as you'll see in a minute. But I also want to kind of have a disclaimer here and say that if you think this is very abnormal or unhealthy, then I want you to be very, be very proud that you have grown up in a very healthy dynamic, that is not the norm. You have had a privileged life if you don't recognize any of these things. And I, I love that for you. And I'm not the marriage coach for you because you've already had a good example of a healthy relationship. 
I think there are vastly more people who can relate to what I'm about to share than you could probably imagine if you can't relate at all. So today I'm going to give you some specific examples. And the way I wrote these down are that he would do this and then I would do this. And we'll just see how it goes. Because I was going to say, I'm not really going to teach you what I did to change it, but we'll just see what comes up. So one of the first things that he did now, I should probably say that he was diagnosed with ADHD with hyperfocus and people who have ADHD and hyperfocus, they can go back and forth. As I talked about a couple episodes ago about they can go to distractible and inattentive and do hyperfocus. So I think that means that he just mostly, he gets into hyperfocus more than he is distractible. If anything, and I have not been di- diagnosed with ADHD, but I would say with if anything, I'm the one who is distractible. And I would also say that a lot of what you're about to hear is probably conditioning from my own childhood of having something like ADHD or having traits of it being like harshly conditioned to not let those traits exist, which is why I could not accept them in my husband and was the way I was, which you'll see in a minute. So one thing that he would do was not pick up after himself, not put his plate in the dishwasher and in full transparency, he still does not always do this every time, not, you know, just put stuff away. He's actually a very neat and tidy person, but like sometimes he wouldn't pick up after himself and I would yell, I would criticize him and then I'd get very resentful for doing it all. And you have to remember that when this was going on, I had no tools to either understand why I was upset, to be able to process why I was upset, to give myself any form of empathy, to understand what was happening for me and take different action. I had zero tools other than I knew a little bit about mindfulness and detachment because a lot of this was, you know, hitting the fan right around the time I was introduced to Dr. Shafali and she teaches a lot of Buddhist kind of detach, breathe, let it go kind of stuff. So I was trying to do that and it, and it was not actually fixing anything. He would get overstimulated by the kids crying, especially in the car or be uncomfortable with it. And then at some point he would usually shame or yell at them. So that would be like, that's enough and pretty loud. You have to remember that through my lens of the experience I grew up with, it did not take much for me to perceive his voice as yelling either. So he might even say, I'm not yelling. I'm just a loud person. And to me, it felt like he's angry, yelling, mean, cold. This is scary. I don't like it sometimes. But my babies were my babies, and there was nothing he could do that was even slightly negative that I would not take as a major assault on them because my babies were everything and I was determined to protect them from any trauma whatsoever. So he could have just looked at them wrong and I would have been upset with him. So if they were crying in the car, needed something, and it was usually from my own doing or our own doing, like they'd been in the car too long or they were getting hungry or it was just their nap time or whatever, you know, as you, when you first have kids, you're trying to 
live the same life. And it just does not work that way. You know, your lives kind of revolve around the children all of a sudden. And it's a very, very hard transition. So then I would get angry when he was overstimulated. I would then get angry and yell at him. I protect the kids any way that I could. And then I would disconnect inside from him. I would just, that would be like another tally mark that it wasn't going to work. He was a bad dad. I was not okay with this. And it was like, I was collecting evidence that he was a bad guy and we were going to have to divorce. So I would disconnect further from him. I would not recover quickly from that experience at all. It was, he just became bad in my eyes. He would totally miss the kids bids for connection. So a bid for connection is just when, when your kid looks up at you, like they put a block on top of another block and then they look up at you and they're waiting for you to see them and talk to them and see what they did and connect with you in that way. And they've observed different researchers have observed kids and they make like hundreds of bids for connection in a short time period. They really want your full attention. And a lot of the people who are like these really great attentive mothers, like I was trying to be, we realized that we had to put everything aside and kind of sit there and stare at our kids, especially when they're babies and toddlers, because there are so many bids for connection. And it would was devastating to me and it's probably devastating to a lot of moms listening if they miss one because I knew what that pain felt like and I did not want my kids to experience it. So he would miss their bids for attention, connection, be totally unaware of their needs. So I was super attuned to what they needed all the time. I knew when they needed a diaper change, when they were hungry, when they were thirsty, when they were uncomfortable, when they were sad, when they were happy. Like I knew all the time what they needed. So when he didn't, then I'd get angry. I'd protect my kids if I needed to. Now note here that I felt they needed protection. It wasn't necessarily true. It was more the little girl inside of me who needed love and attention and protection and not the kids in front of me. Then I disconnect from him again. I'd be resentful that I had to do it all. Another thing he would do was, and he will probably say this is not true. He'll still try to give me the song and dance. And it's kind of been one of those things where I'm aware of it now. And he is probably not fully aware of it, but he would pretend, I'm going to say pretend, but he would say that he just needed a list or silence, like everybody gone in the home or just one more thing. Then he would do chores. Instead of just saying he hated these chores and would never do them. A huge turning point for us was when I just called him out on this and said, look, you are never going to do this. You clearly do not like emptying the dishwasher, doing the laundry, cleaning the house. It is either a struggle for you or you just hate it. It's clear to me that you are never going to like doing this. But at the time I would get angry. I would feel resentful. I'd compare our lives to neurotypical households, what I thought other people were living through, where things seemed more fair and the husbands would do things. I mean, cause at this time I had babies 
And I felt the weight of the world on me because I was the one taking care of the house, taking care of the kids, taking care of the yard, taking care of the bills, taking care of planning, taking care of vacations. I was taking care of everything. And before my dad divorced my mom and even knowing him now, he was not this way. He was very almost too responsible and, you know, like he'll mow the grass to perfection and he'll fix something to perfection and he'll empty a trash can the second it's like barely halfway full and he'll scrub things until they're very clean. So I'd compare him to him a little bit uh, and feel like, you know, this, this guy, this one that I picked, like he's a dud, <laughs> there's, there's something wrong with him. And I wasn't looking inside at all. He would play endless video games or do risky things like ride his motorcycles very fast. And I would get angry, feel resentful, criticize him. I would seethe with rage. So you can see a theme here. My thing was get angry, yell, criticize, feel resentful. And when I say criticize, I mean like be, I was mean. I would call him names say that he I would call him lazy all the time. I definitely was not bringing out the best in him at all. He would immediately say no to any request. I feel like we talked about that in the other episode that's called counter will. So it's literally the second I would say, would you empty the dishwasher? Would you sweep the floor? Would you get the baby her bottle? It was literally no. Like it was almost a joke in our house. It felt like not a funny haha joke, but like a, he's going to say no, no is all he says. No, 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 no. So then I'd get angry. I'd attack. I'd be resentful. I probably would yell and criticize what's wrong with you. Why not? I would engage in the no, in the fight, in like the power struggle, which is the wrong thing to do. Don't do that. It was, it was just really, it was not fun. And then on the other hand, he would also get angry and yell sometimes, especially when he was hungry, when he was taking ADHD medication Vyvanse, he wouldn't eat all day and he wouldn't sleep all night. And then he'd be really angry once it wore off. Anytime that something set him off, he had no ability to self-regulate at all. And he would go from like literally the sweetest man in the world to this incredibly angry person who, even though I was doing that too, I didn't even like recognize that. And I would get so afraid of him. I'd go into fear. I'd fawn, I'd freeze, I'd fight, flee, all those things. But I would, I would feel like he was a scary bad guy from my past. And it was not okay for him to be angry, even though I was angry all the time. Another thing that he would do, because those with ADHD tend to have extremely poor interpersonal boundaries, is he would touch me all the time in unwanted ways, like grab my butt when he's walking by or try to pull me in for a hug or whatever. Or he'd hold the kids beyond their comfort level. Like he would give them a snuggle and they'd be ready to go. And so then they'd be like, dad, let me go, you know, and I could not handle that. I would get angry. I try to protect them. I would yell and I'd criticize again. But to me, it was unacceptable. I was really, really triggered by it, especially because I had experienced like my brother beating me up or 
laying on me or holding me down, you know, as a kid, we would fight all the time. It totally triggered all those old things. And I would lose my mind. You'd like, you don't hurt my babies. My mama bear would come right out. This would probably seem like a positive to most people, but he would talk to others or be social when I needed him, needed his help. He wouldn't come home. So like he would have events to go to and he'd be gone for hours at them. And when I'm home with the baby and like struggling on my own, so I'd be resentful and controlling and try to say like, you can't go do this. You have to be home. Where are you? I'm tracking you. Like, when are you going to be home? This is crazy. But it wasn't actually about him. It was because back in this time period, I was never, ever, ever doing self-care. And as you can see, I wasn't getting help, asking for help in ways that worked at all. So I was completely burned out and exhausted. And it wasn't actually about him having fun with friends. It was about my own exhaustion and how dare he you know, go take time for himself when I wouldn't take time for myself ever. Okay. Another thing he would do was spend impulsively. And when I say spend, I don't mean a hundred bucks here or there. I mean, spend. He inherited some money from different people and he would spend the money probably related to the reason why he was inheriting those. He was going through a lot of traumas, a lot of depression, a lot of grief at the time, but he would just spend and he would spend in small things too. go buy pop at the convenience store, which drove me nuts. Cause I'm like, this is not a deal. Why are you buying pop at the gas station? This is so stupid, but we could literally be struggling that month and he'd have a new toy of some sort. And like, what the hell? And then at, at one point he was, when he was really upset because he'd been laid off from a job, he was very unhappy and he was spending money that I did not know he was spending. And that felt like a huge betrayal to me. And I was very upset. So anytime he would spend impulsively, I'd get very angry, yell, criticize. Money was a huge point of frustration for us. Still even a problem until very recently. We had have just started using something called cube money. And that has been the best thing so far out of everything I've ever done to try to help our money stuff and get us on the same page. So, I mean, we're not very far into it, but so far, highly recommend it, <laughs> especially if your spouse is ADHD, because it forces them to see how much money you really have before they spend it. And that's incredibly helpful. If you're the one that does the budget, the other person is in the dark. That's a pretty common thing to happen. And it leads to a lot of struggles, especially for people who spend impulsively, which we talked about in that other episode, how if you have ADHD, they have no concept of the future. Um, they just don't, they have time blindness. There's only right now. <laughs> so they tend to spend money. Like there's only right now. So I would get very upset because like, how am I going to pay these bills? If you have spent this money on this and for him, he felt controlled by me or that I was like poo-pooing his fun. And I'm just like, no, like we're married. I'm trying to budget our money. I'm trying to pay the bills. It's not about not wanting you to have fun. It's about this is all we got, you know, he would play games all night. So I talked about him playing video games before, but he would play games all night instead of helping with the kids, especially when he was on that five ants, especially when he was laid off. 
you know, when we, when the babies are little and you're up with them all night, he never like took night duty. He never, he would help me put, once we had two, then he would help me, you know, put one to sleep. And he was a little bit better by that point. Cause I'd already started working on this, but especially when we only had one for other reasons, I was terrified in this house. So afraid that somebody was going to get into the house because we did have something happen that was legitimately terrifying. And so I'm in this house, in this room with this baby, and he's way down in the basement with a very loud theater system. And I would feel so unsafe and then so unsupported and so exhausted because it was just me and my dog up with the baby all night long. And it was horrific. So I would get very, very resentful. I would disconnect from him. I would beg, plead, yell, and criticize again. I did not know any other way to change that behavior. So obviously I was like a total tyrant this whole time. I've got about four more, four more examples. And there are probably thousands more. Uh, He would not give me an answer on what he wanted to do or where he wanted to go. Like if I said, I want to go up and see my mom. Do you want to come? What should we do Sunday? What should we do on vacation? Where do we want to go on vacation? He would give me nothing, but I would wait for his answer because I had kind of made him sort of the leader in our home instead of realizing that really I'm the one more equipped to lead here. So I'd wait for his answer and then be resentful that we weren't doing anything. I'm like, now we do nothing because you won't come up with anything. And then like, if I decided if he didn't give me an answer and I didn't go see my mom, then I'd be so angry that like, I didn't go see my family and it would feel like it was his fault and not my own for not just going. And because if I did just go, then he would guilt me and be like, how dare you go do that without me? I, how how can you do this? I don't even remember what he would say, but he'd be so upset that I would dare do anything. Even if it was like, you know, where do we want to go for, I don't know, dinner or something. And he wouldn't come up with something. So I just go somewhere. He would be so angry and upset. And then I would feel bad. And like, I had done something wrong. Another thing he did was he would see the dog, like he'd be on his way to help me with something or the kids would need him. And then he would suddenly see our dog and then he would like hold her down and play with her instead of help me or help the kid or something. It was literally like the something shiny thing. And he would be so into her and I would get so angry, yell and criticize again, like, hello, you know, go, go help the kid. She needs you. What are you doing? Leave the dog alone. And he would tell me over and over, he's like, this is ADHD. Like she is fun and feels different and is different. And I, I just get so into it in the moment. I can't like break free from it. Like you can. And it would just be like, come on, man, (laughs) break out of it. There's stuff to do. And then I kind of alluded to this too, but he would stay up all night and then sleep all day. So then the weekends would come and he would have stayed up all night playing video games and then he would want to sleep all day. When meanwhile, I'm like, this could be my day to finally sleep in because I've been getting about three or four hours of sleep for the past 18 months. Sure would be nice for me to sleep in, 
but that would never happen. And as you know, as the babies get up early and they need stuff and they need constant supervision once they're up, it's not like they're just up and playing like they are once they're like seven, six or seven or so. They need you. They need breakfast. They want your attention. They want you to play with them. They need their diapers changed. They need toys. They need snacks. They need you to hold their hands while they walk. They need you to keep them safe. They want to go outside. They want to go inside. Like it's exhausting. It's exhausting for anybody. And I think that, you know, some of this pain that I felt then, I probably would still feel to a certain extent now, even though I think he'd be more helpful now, because that period of life is just really effing hard. It is just a very hard season. And if you have somebody who acts like a child, when you have another child to take care of, it is infuriating for you. Absolutely infuriating. So I would get angry, yell, criticize, wake him up in not very nice ways. Like, get out of bed. <laughs> you know, Come on, time to get up. Pull the cover off and call his phone. Anything I could do to get him up, I would do. And then probably most importantly, the thing that happened all the time is that he would not jump when I say jump. And of course, I don't mean necessarily saying jump. I mean, open the door, shut the door, get me a plate, get me a bottle, feed the baby, change the baby's diaper. I had a very short tolerance, like window between what I asked for and when I felt it was acceptable for him to do it. And I bet there are some of my clients who hear this and they are on the receiving end of this. For me, it was like, it's because I had been so conditioned to jump immediately when my parents needed anything. That was something that I projected and put onto him. If I ask you for something, you do it right now. Not five minutes from now, you do it right now. And I would get angry, yell, criticize. And I was, if you can't, tell <laughs> I was controlling of everything then because I was, because I felt like the only adult in the house and it felt like I had to be controlling because how else was anything going to get done? I did not know how to motivate people in a different way than what I was taught. I did not know how to get things done in a different way from what I was taught. I absolutely had no sense of asking for help. I did not know how to regulate my emotions. I thought that the way to change behavior was to yell at somebody or criticize them or shame them because that's what had happened to me. And I'm not saying any of this to excuse my behavior. It was unacceptable, but that's all I knew. That was all I knew. And I was super controlling of everything to try to find comfort and safety. And for as much as I was critical of him, I was a hundred times more critical of myself. My inner voice was a tyrant. It was, she was mean and vicious. Ironically sounded just like my mother. <laughs> like It was her voice and it was mean and I was never good enough and I wasn't worthy and I didn't love myself and I never felt joy. It was just do, 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 do. I was very much in my masculine and I had no acceptance for the person that my husband was because that was the person that I had been in so many ways. You know, I, I'm sure that I picked him because he was childlike and made my inner child have a lot of fun and it was great. 
And then once we had a real child, it was like, now you can't be this. And so all the thing ways that I had been unacceptable to my parents when I was little, I could not stand it in him. It had to end immediately. Now I needed a partner. I needed another adult. And I had all these expectations for him. And in fact, that's why we found out he had ADHD because I realized I needed help to let go of those expectations. So I searched a counselor, a therapist with what our insurance would cover. And I went to a lady and she pretty much immediately says, you know, it sounds like your husband is ADHD, which she had herself and specialized in. And he agreed to come in and do a test. And sure enough, there he does. And then they're putting him on medication. And it was a really hard time because he he just had a hard time with that diagnosis, kind of understanding why he had struggled so much of his life and understanding the way he was. He was on the medication for quite a while and he lost so much weight. He didn't, like I said, he wasn't sleeping, he wasn't eating. And it really didn't seem beneficial, especially because by the time it wore off is right when he got home with me and it wasn't the right solution. So all the stuff that I just read to you doesn't happen now. And it's, it hasn't changed because of the medicine, because he's not on it. It hasn't changed because he's done a bunch of inner work because he hasn't, it hasn't changed because he's getting the support of a counselor because he isn't the only thing that has changed is that. I have grown myself up. I have done my inner work. I have healed. I have learned how to empathize with others, how to understand why I'm upset and heal from that and take action. I have learned to have proper boundaries and protect my boundary. I have learned that every time I was angry was because of a boundary thing. I've learned how to do what I want to do and get the help I need. And so everything in our marriage has changed. And I know that a small piece of it is that our children have just grown up and that sure makes life a lot easier, but a huge piece of it was me stepping out of the role I was playing in the dynamic of our relationship. So if you are in this situation, there is hope for you. Your partner does not have to be involved and does not have to go do all the same work. And I promise you, there's a lot of work for you to do. I hear from a lot of women like, well, why should I have to do the work? And the truth is that the dynamic exists because you need to do the work. Plain and simple. I needed to do it. You need to do it too. If you have any questions about this, you can reach out to me anytime. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to begin to learn what your emotions mean and how to start doing your work, you can go to theprincessandthepeeve.com and download my free emotions assessment. See what you are feeling most of the time and what it means for you. You can also read my book, The Authentic Wife, to see how I began this journey toward authenticity and toward healing. And I think it will really help you. Thanks for being here and thanks for being you. And I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.